Amen. We are so thankful that it's the powerful name of Jesus that breaks darkness, that breaks the chains and the shackles of the enemy. And I think you and I today can take a ton of comfort in the fact that darkness has no plate when light steps into it. And no matter what you're facing or going through today, God desires for you not to stay in darkness, but to walk in light. And as we open his word together, my prayer for you is that the light of the word would illuminate in your heart. That you would know God in a way like you've never known him before. That scripture would come alive to you today. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And today, we're coming to you ready to receive all that you have for us. We're saying, God, we are here. We are ready. So we just ask that as we open your word today, that you'd speak to us like never before. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, as you're sitting down, say hey to somebody around you. It is so good to be here with you today. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. If you are here for the first time, I want to say welcome. We are so excited that you're here for our 9 a.m. worship experience. If you are here for the first time, we're not going to point you out or ask you to do anything crazy. The only thing that I would love for you to do is at some point fill out this Connect card and you can drop it in the buckets as you exit the auditorium or you can stop by the Welcome Center and we'd love to exchange it for a gift as our way of saying thanks for being here. But church, could you help me welcome every person here for the first time? We are excited that you're here this morning and uh, excited for what God is going to do. We are in the middle of a series called More. It's where we've been talking about the fact that Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. We've had the opportunity of sharing some big news with you just a couple of weeks ago, and we announced that the future home of Propel Church is the old middle school in Mount Pleasant. So I got a picture of the future home of Propel, and as you and I see the photo, there we go, and as we look at, looks like it, it might be there, so as we look at that, that is our future home. In that space, there's a, a 500-seat auditorium, there's a full gymnasium, there's space for our offices, there's space for kids, there's an environment where we get to host our Next Steps courses like Discover and things like that, and, and all of these opportunities are there, and I'm so excited for, for what's ahead. So on week one, we made the big announcement, and we talked, I basically shared the story of Propel, and then week two, we had the opportunity to talk about the fact that God's desire is for more family, that he wants the family of God to grow, that he desires for more people to accept Jesus and Propel Church was gonna be a place where you don't have to fix yourself before you become family. We're a place where we know that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So we're gonna be a church that helps people in the middle of their brokenness. We're gonna be people who are willing to bend down and help people and cover the cost. No matter what it takes, it's worth it for people to meet Jesus. Can I get a better amen than that? Come on, it's worth it for people to meet Jesus. I want to teach you something culturally because I've got some time this morning. There's there's this really important thing for you and I to, to, to give feedback when we hear the word of God. You may wonder, why those crazy people down front always like amen and stuff like that? Uh, number one, I preach better when you do it. I'm just saying that's a proven fact. But number two, it's really important because when you say something like amen, come on, mm, preach it, white boy, any of those, well, you're, you're making a declaration. 
you're making a declaration that says, I'm, I'm not only listening to the word of God, but I'm willing and ready to respond to it. You know, you're 68% more likely to, to implement God's word when you verbally respond to it. That's a fake number, but I believe it, <laughs> right? Like, I believe that when you and I verbally respond to the word of God, when we hear his word preached and we listen to it and we go, amen, you're saying, let it be that way in my life. When we talk about lost people meeting Jesus and the fact that it's worth it to cover the cost, we say, amen, because we want lost people to meet Jesus. It's worth it. So as we get ready to dive into God's word, I want you to be ready to respond to God's word. Matthew chapter 14, you and I are going to find the story that we're going to read today because I want to talk to you about the fact that there are more opportunities. More opportunities. I believe that there are more opportunities in your everyday life to be used by God. I believe there are more opportunities in my life to be used by God. And there are more opportunities for you to be used inside the context of the local church as well. I think the natural tendency or the easy thing for us to do would be to look at a photo of a new building and dream for the day that we get into that new building. And then when we get into that new building, we'll finally step into all the opportunities that are there. But one of the things scripture teaches us over and over and over again is that if you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with much. We're reading a book as a staff right now called The Proving Ground. It talks about the test of small things. If you're not faithful with little, why should God trust you with much? So I want to talk to you about the opportunities that don't just exist when we get into the new building, but I want to talk to you about opportunities that exist in the here and now. So if you have a Bible... Matthew chapter 14. If you don't, it's going to be available on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one out at the Next Steps area. We've got Bibles that we give you free of charge because we want you to have access to God's Word. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13, it says that when Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. There were a lot of people coming to see Jesus. And if you've ever had a lot of people want your attention, come on, parents, some of y'all, y'all got kids and they just want your attention over and over and over again. You know, it gets a little bit tiring. It's a little bit exhausting. So Jesus is in this place where people are flocking in. They're coming to hear his teaching and dude is getting tired. He's fully God, but he's also fully man. And one of the things that we see about Jesus is he had this natural habit to rest. So he withdraws to a a solitary place. He's going privately by boat. He's on one side of the lake. He's like, there's a lot of people here. Let me get into the other side of the lake. So he hops in a boat. But then it says, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So they, they knew Jesus was stuck. He was in a boat. Boat can only go so fast. Motors weren't invented yet. So they started running. So Jesus thought he was going to get away from him. He was going to get a little bit of rest. And he's got a period of rest while he's on the boat. He gets to the other side and he realizes the same large crowd is there. But, and they ran the whole way. They were pumped. They were ready. There was this eager expectation for what God had in store for them. This, this isn't a, a part of my notes at all. But I think your Sunday would be a whole lot different if you came in with eager expectation for what God was going to do. Like if you came in passionate and excited to hear the word of God, to worship with a, a community of believers because you are privileged and blessed to be able to worship in the, in, in the states with a group of believers. There are people all around the world that can't gather corporately. They have to, to hide in basements just to worship God. You and I have this privilege and blessing and it comes with this great expectation that when we gather together, God is going to move. 
So Jesus hops out of the boat and he's there. Large crowd is there. And he could have told them to go away. He could have dipped out. He's fully God, fully man. He could have like poofed, disappeared. Holla, that would have been cool, right? Doesn't do that. Says that he has compassion for them. And so he started to heal their sick. Jesus is now healing their sick. And in verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's getting pretty late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples in this moment have identified a problem. The way scripture reads, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal to the disciples. I think what's happened is the disciples are a little tired as well. And when you mix tired and exhausted and hungry, you have this word that we use now called hangry, right? I think that's how the disciples are feeling. Disciples are like, Jesus, there's a lot of people and they need to go get some food. And hello, we need some food as well. So if you'll do us a favor and you'll send all of these people away, we can get some food. They can get some food. You can do what you wanted to in the beginning, which is get away from all these people and we'll be good. The disciples have identified a problem, but they wanted somebody else to take care of it. Isn't it easy for you and I to get so caught up, so preoccupied by the problems in front of us that we're not willing to be a part of the solution, but we want somebody else to take care of it? Like, I don't know what problems you currently see in front of you, but these disciples have been begging for several chapters to be a part of a move of God, to see God move in a powerful way. And now that there's a problem, they're like, you just send them to Walmart. Jesus, it's not in our ministry budget to feed all these people. I I don't know what you want us to do. We're going to find out later that there are 5,000 men, not including women and children. What scriptures and scholars will say is that there's most likely about 15,000 people. Could you imagine having a plan of 15,000 person party? You can't. It'd be terrible. You know how many pieces of bread you'd have to have to make sandwiches? For 15,000 people at two pieces of bread per sandwich, that's like 30,000 pieces of bread. Come on, some of y'all know I don't math well, but I did it. This is an astronomically big problem that the disciples see, but what they missed out on is that God wanted them to be a part of the solution. God wanted them to jump in headfirst to the problem, knowing that inside of every problem is an opportunity for God to move. So the first thing that I want you to know this morning is that God's plan involves you. Turn to somebody and say, God's plan involves me. Oh, come on, you got to do better than that, 9 a.m. God's plan involves me. You got to be confident about it. Because see, some of you can't say it confidently because you don't actually believe it. You feel like because you've made so many mistakes or because you've messed up because your life doesn't have what their life has or you feel like because you don't have the same education as they have or you don't have the same social economic status, God's plan can't involve you because God just uses people who have it all together. And if that's what you think this morning, you can take hope in Scripture. Because what Scripture teaches us is that God has not only... a an isolated incident, he has a pattern of using broken people. So Paul says that it's in my weakness that he's made strong. 
that, that I, I have nothing to boast about. God didn't give me this gift of salvation so that I could boast or I could take credit for it. But when people look at me, when they see all that God's done in my life, they go, I know he was an idiot. There's no other way to say it, but it was God. God's plan involves you. All throughout scripture, we see that God is in the, the habit. He has a pattern of using people to accomplish his purpose and mission throughout the world. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. You'll see in Genesis chapter 1, God is creating the heavens and the earth. He's, he's making the birds in the sky, and then he makes man to rule over it because God's plan involves you. You look at Moses. Moses has this big obstacle in front of him. God's people are enslaved. They're in captivity, and he is worried, and he's anxious, and God says, I have heard the cries of my people. In other words, I know there's a problem, but then he says to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. So yeah, I've seen the problem, but guess what, Moses? I could step in. I could throw lightning bolts from heaven. The people could be freed right now, but I want people to watch me use an ordinary man for an extraordinary purpose. So I'm sending you to do it. God's plan involves you. So then Jesus looked at him and he said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You've been asking for this. You've wanted to be part of the miracle. You've asked to see God move in a powerful way. And now when you have the opportunity, when there's something that actually extends past your ability to pull it off, you want to send them away? No, no, no. You feed them. The disciples said, well, uh, but, but, but Jesus. So we robbed this teenager. We opened his lunchbox, and we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus responds, bring them here. I think it's interesting that the first thing the disciples do is give an excuse for why they can't feed them. Isn't that what we do in life? We feel like God has called us to do something. It extends past our ability to reach. And the first thing we do is, yep, just can't do it. Yeah, so, you know, God's, God's pulling you or drawing you to serve other people. And you're like, you know what? That sounds great, God, but I just don't have the time. Or, or God's calling you to, to not, not just tithe. Right? Tithing doesn't make you generous. It just means you're not stealing anymore because it's God's money. <laughs> God's calling you to, to live generously, and you're like, yeah, but God, you don't understand my finances. Like, if you were the one balancing this checkbook, you would know I can't do that. So, so you make up all these excuses for why you can't do what God is calling you to do. The second thing I want you to know this morning is that the problems you see are the things that God has positioned you to fix. A lot of times when it comes to the problems that we see, the things that we want changed in our world, we pass them off. Can I tell you, you will never find fulfillment if you continue to pass off the passions that God has placed inside of you. The things that you see, the problems that are right in front of you, are the things that God is positioning you to step into and be a part of the solution on. The kingdom of God would be radically different if followers of Jesus understood it's more beneficial to be a part of the solution than talk about the problem. So what God is calling each and every single one of us to do is not just look at the problem, but to be a part of the solution. I believe that you are strategically placed wherever God has you to fix the problems that he's placed right in front of you. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's always fun. 
but you get to step into the miracle and the plans of God. You and I, each and every single one of us, are hardwired internally with a desire to make a difference. And if we stopped passing off our passions to the church, to ministry, that's what we do a lot of times. We go, Pastor, I got this, I got this great idea. Here's what we should do. We should start a ministry to save kittens. You shouldn't. Cats are from the devil. Just That's right. Devil created two things, cats and math. Just saying. But no, maybe you're passionate about homeless people. Nothing wrong with that. I think think the fact that God has placed that passion inside of you is absolutely incredible. But if you expect other people to be as passionate about the things that God has wired you for, you'll, you'll always be mad at people. Oh, they just don't care enough. No, no, no. God passioned you for that. And the role of the local church is not to help you to to, to do ministry for you. The role of the local church, a a pastor's role, Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the saints for the purpose of ministry. So my job is not to carry out your calling. My job is to help you fulfill your calling. It's to say, do you need the tools? Do you need the resources? Whatever you need, we're here to support you in that. But it's not to do it for you because the, the problems you see or the things that God has positioned you to fix. One of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever received from a mentor, and I've shared this with you before. I was sitting down with a mentor, and I was talking about all my life's problems, right? Because that's what you do. You find a mentor, you tell them about how bad your life stinks sometimes. So we're talking about all my problems, and, and uh, I, I, I'm telling him. He, he asked me a couple questions like, hey, why haven't you? you done this and why haven't you done that? I was like, well, here's the laundry list of reasons. And I'm telling him over and over. He said, you finished? I was like, well, no, I can give you a couple more. And he said, here's what I want you to know. The excuse only satisfies the teller. And until you get over all these excuses and you step into the plans of God, you'll continue to have excuses on why you can't join into his plan for your life. So you and I today have to get past the excuses that we have to see what God is doing in front of us. The problems you see are the positions you fix. I think sometimes we'd rather stress over the details than walk by faith. This move of God that's taking place in your life, in the community, in in the world around us, requires us to live by faith. It requires you and I to not sit on the sidelines of a move of God, but jump in. It requires sacrifice. It requires discomfort. God desires to use each and every single one of us. So the disciples say, look, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And then Jesus responds in verse 18 by saying, bring them to me. Third thing that I have for you this morning is that when you bring God what you have, he supplies what you need. When you bring God what you have, he supplies what you need. This is the biblical principle of stewardship. It's not accumulating more stuff. It's taking taking care of what God has given you. We talked about the the test of, of small things, that you're faithful with little, therefore you can be entrusted with much. The beautiful part about this passage of Scripture is they placed these items into the hands of Jesus. My question for you would be, what's in your lunchbox? 
what we're going to see is, is that what was in the lunchbox of a teenage kid is about to revolutionize the lives of 15,000 people because it was placed into the hands of God. What are you carrying? Because when you bring God what you have, he supplies what you need. This is the beauty of salvation, that we bring God what we have. What do we have? You and I are born into a broken and fallen world. Scripture teaches us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have this sin issue in our lives. There's this debt that we have, and we bring God that debt, and he supplies what we need through the blood and the payment of Jesus. This is where worship comes into play, where, where you might not feel like coming in and, and worshiping God, but worship is not a feeling. Worship is a posture. So you could have the worst week in the world. You could go through some of life's hardest circumstances and situations and still stand up and go, God, I love you, because worship is to show love or affection to something. I can show love or affection to God despite the fact that my week was bad. When I bring God what I have, he supplies what I need. That's why scripture says that as we worship him, as we pray to him, he gives peace that surpasses all understanding. What do you need in the middle of your turmoil, in the middle of your hardship so much? Peace. So you bring God what you have. He supplies what you need. This is the, the biblical principle of, of tithing. Why tithing is, is so important that we bring God what we have. We bring him our first fruits. We trust him with that, knowing that God could do way more with my 90 than I could ever do with 100. Just say, God, I trust you. I'm going to give you what I have, knowing that you supply what I need. For some of you, there's a dream in your heart. There's a passion that you have. And you've never fully surrendered it over to him. You're still holding on to it in hopes that maybe, just maybe, your plan will at some point align with his. But when you bring God what you have, Romans 12 says that we would live our lives, give our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. When we choose to give God what we have, you'll find peace and fulfillment like you never thought was possible. You'll realize that the plans that you have for your life are in no comparison as good as the plans that God has for your life. At Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do immeasurably more than we might ask, think, or imagine. For some of us, it's our time that needs to be surrendered to God, to be given to God. Others of us, it's our gifts. And, and, and this is why I think, for me, um, discover is so important here at Propel Church. We talk about bringing God what you have. Some of you don't even know what you have because you've never had a church equip you to understand your spiritual gifts, how God wired you, how God designed you, and it's time for you to get off the sidelines of the move of God and step into the game because he's made you to be a part of the local church. It's time for you to learn your gifts, and that's our way of equipping you. And so there's multiple options for how you can do that. We have discovered each week here at Propel, it takes place after 15 minutes after the worship experience. It lasts for one hour. But next Friday, March 22nd, we're hosting Fast Track, which is where we take all four weeks and we put them into one night for two hours. And that's where we help you learn your gifts, learn how you're wired so that you can bring God what you have, knowing that he supplies what you need. That's the beauty of the local church. I have a very limited number of gifts. I tell our team, I don't do a lot of things well. Here's what I can do. I can talk to people and I can, I can rally people around a vision knowing that we're going to push forward for God's best days ahead. 
That's my strength. If I tried to handle the administration of the church, like all the admin responsibilities, you wouldn't be here next week because we'd probably forget to pay rent, right? Each gift, each person, that's what uh, First Peter says, that each person has been giving a gift, use it in the body of Christ. Because my strengths make up your deficiencies, your deficiencies make up my, like, are my strengths, and when we work together, we're actually a body. That's what we see in Scripture. He, he, he doesn't use the term body on accident. It's completely intentional. That each part has a different function. My hand functions different than my foot. Both are necessary for continued movement. So you and I have to bring God our gifts. We bring God our talents. We bring him our abilities knowing that he supplies everything that we need. Verse 19 goes on to say, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then giving them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate. They all ate. Yeah, because when you, when you place what you have inside the hands of God, he can multiply it. See, I can't multiply things on my own. But from the very beginning, when God looks at Adam and Eve, he creates Adam and Eve, he looks at me, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Because we serve a God of multiplication. He's not just a God that adds, he multiplies. He, he takes what is one thing, and he took what could feed a family of five and fed 15,000. Because he's a God that multiplies. So he broke the bread, and they all ate and were satisfied. And then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So the beautiful part about God is he doesn't just supply enough. He supplies abundantly. Like I meet many people who feel like they don't have enough time to serve on a weekend here at Propel or, or, or serve in their community. Here's what I can promise you. If you, would take the, if you would make the intentional step to start serving people, it would be like God added more time to your days. Because he's a God that multiplies. Now, you don't actually get 28 hours, but here's what getting in alignment with God's will does. It forces you to prioritize what's important. So your life becomes aligned with the plans and the things of God. It says that they broke it, they all ate and were satisfied, and there was stuff left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Last thing that I have for you this morning is that God will use what you have to bless others. Your gifts, your finances, your resources, your networking ability, your job, everything in your life, God will use to bless others if he's the one that's in control of it. Because God blesses what he's in control of. And so what I want to help you do this morning is take the next step. You've heard about serving. You've heard about why we feel like it's important. And so I want to give you two opportunities today to respond to God's word. And so the first one of those is I think you should take the next step and start serving on a team here at Propel Church. And so on the back of your connect card, we've, we've designed these completely intentionally. I would love, hear me say this, I would love for you to fill this out every week. 
You go, why would I fill that out every week? Because there's this spot, there's two spots on this that say my prayer request. So, so sometimes people get angry because the church doesn't know what's going on in their life, but the Lord hadn't given us the spiritual gift of mind reading. So if you don't write it, we don't know it. <laughs> that's, a, that's the safest assumption you could make. If you don't write it, we don't know it. So this is how you ensure that we're praying for you, that we're joining with you on those big things that you're believing God for. And then this back part says, share with us what God is doing in your life. Hey, for some of you, if you looked at this, this paragraph right here, it would be difficult for you to write something down because you don't know what God's doing in your life. Today's the day you have to take a next step. Because if you can't figure out what God's doing in your life, it means you've plateaued in your relationship with him. And Christians don't plateau, they backslide. So it's only increase. The moment you flatline, you're decreasing. It's kind of like what happens when, you know how uh, you'll have a car and you buy another car, but you keep the car and you just let that car sit in the driveway and it never gets used and so ultimately it starts to go bad. That's what your life with Christ is like. If you don't drive it, baby, it don't work. And then there's this whole section that says get involved. And we list out teams that you can start to serve in and make a difference in in the local church. I don't want us to wait to start using our gifts for when we get into a new facility. It's time for us to use them now. So there's the guest experience team. And everything we do here is to create an environment where people can come in and experience Jesus. We love creating a distraction-free environment that from the moment you enter the parking lot, you can feel welcomed. Like people are actually excited that you're here to worship God today. So there's people that we, we would love for you to step into the opportunities that are there to stand in the parking lot and hold signs that say, you look amazing today. They might not, but we're encouraging them anyways. We would love for you to, to, to join the team that helps make coffee that week in and week out. Come on, I love the fact that we're a church that, that not just has coffee, but we drink good coffee in Jesus' name. And you're not just making coffee. You know what? The, the, I'm going to tell you a story really quick. I was talking with a guy in our lobby two weeks ago. He came in drunk. I'm so thankful that we're a church where a drunk person can come in and meet Jesus. He came in drunk, and he said, the reason why I stayed awake through the message is because I got one of that, those delicious cups of coffee. And I was like, come on, you're making a difference through making a cup of coffee. You're giving people the ability to sit in an environment where they can stay awake and hear God's word delivered. Amen. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Look at Propel Kids. Maybe, maybe God has passioned you with this desire to see kids. I want you to know something about Propel Kids. You're not babysitting. If you're like, oh, I can watch some kids, you can stay in your seat. Propel Kids is a place where we're establishing anchors in the hearts of children that they would know from a young age that there's a God who loves them and has a great plan for their life. So this is not babysitting. You're making a difference in the lives of kids. There's creative. For some of you, you you're photographers and graphic designers, and, and there's a spot for you to, to serve, worship. There's, there's set up and tear down. There's the band and vocals. Maybe God's gifted you with the ability to play an instrument. It's time for you to get involved. Now, with the worship team, there is an audition process because you can love the Lord all day, but you ain't get on this stage and singing if you can't sing. I'm just saying. Because we believe, again, in that distraction-free environment. And when you can't hit a note, it's distracting. Production, there's... 
There's the ability for you to join the media team that provides lyrics on the screen to do lighting, to man one of our cameras. And and what I love about the camera feed, there's people each week that have the opportunity to watch online, to hear the good news of Jesus and respond to his message. There's motion students to serve with our teenagers. And in motion students and Propel Kids, if if you want to be a part of one of those teams, uh, just so you know, we will background check you because we believe in creating a safe environment for our kids, administrative. Some of y'all are gifted administratively, and there's an opportunity for you to jump in. I believe that when you and I use our gifts to serve in the local church, lives get changed. People meet Jesus. And what started out as something that could just feed five could feed 15,000. And then the second thing that I wanted to talk with you about is the opportunities that are going to come with the new facility. And so there's a lot of renovation to be done on the new property. And so here's what I want you to do. Um, If you pull out your phone, there's going to be a slide that comes up on the screen. And it's propel.church slash MPMS. And if you go there right now, you're going to find a simple landing page where it's going to ask you for your name, your email, and then it's going to give a couple of checkboxes to what you may want to jump in and be a part of. For some of you guys, I know you're just itching for me to call you and say, come swing a sledgehammer, right? Like you are ready. Others of you are like, hey, I ain't going to swing no sledgehammer, but I'll paint some walls or I'll pull some weeds or I'll, I'll do whatever's needed. There's an opportunity for you to serve. Now, I don't have any dates for you. I don't have anything like that just yet. Here's what we're doing. We're getting ready. We're preparing so that when we can get in, in the facility and start these work days, we know exactly who to call for what projects. So I would love for you just to take a second, whether it's, it's right now or it's at the end of the worship experience, to say, hey, I want to get involved. I want to serve. Here are some ways that I can do that. And some of you are in here, and you might, you might be, be electricians or plumbers and things like that and want to use your gifts in that way. There's a comment section below where you can fill that out as well. As we wrap up our time together this morning, I believe that something so powerful happens when you and I choose to serve together. It's a no coincidence in Matthew chapter 14 that the very next passage of Scripture is where Peter walks on water. I, I, picture this for a moment. The disciples' desire to respond initially to the problem that was in front of them was to sit on the sidelines, was to let somebody else take care of it, was to bypass the plans of God and let the people at the market feed those people. Then they get invited into the miracle. They start serving. They use what they have. God supplies what they need. They feed those people. They leave. They get back in the boat. And in the middle of the boat, there's another opportunity that arises. They see somebody walking out on a lake. And they think, it's a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's just Jesus. Jesus is there. And Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's really you, call me out. And Peter had the faith to take the next step and experience something that no one other than Jesus had ever experienced. I wonder 
if by you taking a next step today to get involved with serving, to let God's plan become more accomplished in your life, if you wouldn't see things that only Jesus saw, if you wouldn't experience a move of God that was so powerful, you would just step back and go, man, I can't believe he did it. Will you join me in prayer for a moment? Stand to your feet. Hey God, uh, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness and your grace today. And Lord, for every person who's in here, I pray that you would reveal their gifts. Reveal the things that you've placed inside of them that, that they desire, they long to be used by you. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate problems in front of them, that you would show them they are strategically positioned to fix them. And Lord, we also know that there are some people here today who have never surrendered their life to you. They're still the ones in control of it. And we ask today that you would give them this boldness to surrender it all, to lay it down at your feet. Like if you're here today and you'd say, hey, I know that God is not the one in control of my life. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you. He has an incredible plan for your life. He desires to give you hope, purpose, and a future. But it starts by you saying, here's my life, God. I place it in your hands. If you're here today and that's you and you'd say, hey, I, I want to surrender control of my life over to God. Would you just lift your hand for a moment? I see those. Here's what I want us to do, church. I want us to pray out loud. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, help me celebrate with those who made decisions. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in worship for a moment and sing a song called Place of Freedom. And, and the opening lines of, of this song says, there's a calm that covers me. I don't know what you're facing today, but I pray that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would flood your hearts and your minds. Let's worship.